You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. The postseason, the World Series, everything that's happening right now in Major League Baseball has a tie to the White Sox and things they coulda, woulda, shoulda done, but also a little bit of a tie to what they could do here in the next couple of years. The Rangers in as we're sitting here talking, we're talking before Game 7. I don't know who ended up against the Rangers by the time that this thing airs on Wednesday morning, okay? I mean, I'm I'm rooting for the Phillies. It could be the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, though, we, we got a guy from that organization with Barfield coming over. We did. A, a guy who followed what he considered to be a supernatural sign of seeing a White Sox license plate. I know. And that's why he decided to come here. And indicated in the interviews since he's gotten over here, things like that there's lots of room and they're hiring people for positions. Like, they're making some changes. That makes me excited. I don't know if the changes will be good and positive, but anytime I hear change right now, I'm a glutton for it, man. I hear anything coming out of that front office that indicates that things are going to be different than the way that they were, I get excited about it. I don't even know if it's good excitement. I don't even know if it's going to make any difference whatsoever. But you definitely needed things done a little bit differently. So I've been excited right. about that. Right. And and the Phillies are a team with a lot of guys that the White Sox should have been able to acquire. I, I mean, you see that Bryson Stott quote last week where he says that he was convinced that his best buddy, Bryce Harper, was going to the White Sox that offseason. Like, he was just shocked that he ended up with the Phillies because he just fits so well with the White Sox. Every time I hear something like that and I watch him in a home run in this postseason, it's just don't like... Don't you just want to yank your hair out? And Which I don't have the gorgeous flowing mane that Bryce Harper does. If I did, I would never want to yank that out because I'd want to I'd cradle that specimen and make sure that it stayed with me for as long as possible. But at this point, the hair's thinning anyway, so I might as well just lean into it and rip it out because... Bryce Harper's on the damn Phillies. And then we, of course, have the Rangers. And I want to get into how the Rangers were built because it was such a quick turnaround. And there's a lot to be learned about what they did, how they did their business. And and it, it shows me that the White Sox can make a quick turnaround with all that payroll flexibility that we were talking about on previous episodes over the last couple of weeks, that in 2025, going into the season, you have the ability to have so much money off the books and the ability to build this team the way you want to build it. If Chris Getz is competent, if those that he has surrounded himself with are competent, if they have a competent manager, uh, you're going to need one of those, then you can actually be winning and and going deep into the postseason as early as 2025. This episode and every episode of Saxon Basement brought to you by Cork and Carey at the park, 33rd in Princeton, in the shadow of the ballpark. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Uh, they are the place to be pregame, postgame, in-game. And when the season starts up again, I expect to see you all out there. They're also open in the offseason. Two-for-one burgers when you dine in on Mondays. They have an amazing menu out there. Ballpark favorites and award-winning burgers, plus the location in Beverly, Cork and Cary at 10614 Southwestern Avenue, a great place to hang out. I'm actually going to be there tonight. I'm stopping by to uh, to see some folks up there. It's an awesome neighborhood Irish bar, either location, just a great place to hang out with friends and family and watch a game, whatever sport you're watching. See more at corkandcary.com. They were a hundred loss team, 102 losses just two seasons ago. 
the Rangers. They were terrible. Terrible. When when the White Sox traded for Lance Lynn, they were trading from a team that was that was at the pits. They were done, right? They were in the shortened season in 2020. They're still a last place team. 22 and 38, that's a 367 winning percentage. So they're bad there. And in 2021, they go 60 and 102 with a 370 winning percentage. And then in 22, little sign of life, but not a lot, 68-94. That's the 2024 season for the Sox, right? Like that's right. That's the build season that I keep talking about where you're not going to do anything. But who cares about the record as long as the next season, 2023 or 2025 for the White Sox, we're going to compare these two franchises and how the Rangers turned it around. The Rangers go 90 and 72, just miss out on the division on a tiebreaker with the Astros and then go and handle business in seven games, beating the hated Houston Astros and are on their way to the World Series. And when you look at how the team was was turned around, there are so many similarities, not only to what the White Sox have, but also what the White Sox can do. Again, there is payroll flexibility coming down the line. And, and I get a kick um, about the fact that everybody's kind of jumping on a guy who I believe when I look up his, his profile is now at the Big Ten Network, but was working for NBC Sports, which I think that's what when I look at it, that's what I believe he was doing at the time. And, you know, of course, you get that slant that comes out of there and was making fun of the idea that Marcus Simeon and uh, Corey Seager were signed by the Rangers saying, is that what you want, White Sox fans? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at how it Yes, 100%. And people are taking the screenshot and just, just keep putting this guy's like terrible tweet out there and making fun of it. And it's like one of the things that White Sox fans are doing right now. But we said on this show, I remember at the time, I said, I would go get Corey Seager and I'm not concerned about Tim Anderson because you need somebody to play second and either Seager or Anderson could play it. But you needed to add something into that team. And I wanted a Corey Seager on this team way back then. And I love what the Rangers ended up doing. Here's, here's the thing. Let's do a quick breakdown here. The Rangers, according to fan graphs, on their 40-man roster, only 14 homegrown, 10 free agents, 16 acquired by trade. Nobody off of waivers, nobody off of Rule 5. 32 of them are U.S. players. America. It's America's American. team right there. They got, they got four Dominicans, three Cubans, and a Venezuelan, and then they have 32. 32 U.S. players. It's America's team playing America's game, going to the World Series to win America's championship right there. I get a kick out of that when I see that breakdown. And I'm not saying you got to fill your team with U.S. players or there's something wrong with foreign players. I just jumped no, no, out no, of not, it. Not at all, but it is just it, 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 how very Texas of them. <laughs> I know. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. But now I look at their, let's look at their rotation. We'll get to the rotation because it's the simplest thing to dive into. Looking at their playoff rotation, they got four starters right now. Jordan Montgomery, acquired at the deadline this year. Nathan Eovaldi, off-season acquisition this past off-season. Andrew Heaney, off-season free agent acquisition, both Eovaldi and Heaney, free agent acquisitions in the off-season coming into this year. Max Scherzer's a deadline deal that you, you only really do because of the DeGrom injury and and he's a lot of money they added on, but that's what he is. And Jake Odorizzi was going to be the plan. He was acquired in a trade in this past offseason. And then don't forget about Dane Dunning, old friend, who they acquired for Lance Lynn, developed further, 
and has been effective at times this year and a good pitcher for them. And John Gray. They've had John Gray for most of uh, most of the year as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. I forgot about him. Nothing on that staff has been sitting around in that system for years upon years being developed. Nothing on that staff. That is that is a quick turnaround pitching rotation. And not everybody on there is a high-end marquee free agent. Like, I know Scherzer and DeGrom, but the other names that I mentioned there, Eovaldi, what is he making? $16 million. Eovaldi was, he's he's one of those guys that, he's their best pitcher, but he's a guy that, as a free agent acquisition, was going to come at a reasonable price because of his age. But he's got the pedigree, and when he pitches well, he pitches well. Same thing with Gray, same thing with Haney, same thing with Odorizzi. I, I mean, these are mid-level starters, and then they make the splash for Scherzer and Degrom. And Max Scherzer is on the end of his his run here, and Jacob Degrom didn't do anything for them. So you can't even say that spending forty million on Degrom really moved the needle for this team because he made what two starts? Yeah. In fact, as we're talking here, people are going to say right away, "Well, look at all the money that they spent in twenty twenty two. The White Sox payroll, according to Spot Track, two hundred and three million dollars, and Last year in 2022, the Rangers were further down the list. White Sox were seven, Rangers 15, with a $150 million payroll. That's with Seager and Simeon on the on the roster already. Yes, they're already on the roster. That's the point I want to make here. Now, the payroll's big this year, but you picked up the $40 million Scherzer deal halfway through the year, and you signed to Grom. You didn't need to do that, okay? So, yeah, they come in this year at $250 million. They added $100 million in payroll, but a lot of that is just in those guys alone. $83 million for two pitchers, and, and there's no way that every team is going to do that, and the White Sox shouldn't do that, right? Right. But if you take that off, they would have a lower payroll than what the White Sox had in 22. The Sox trim payroll. The Sox only came in at 162 when the whole season was over this year. But if they stayed at the level they were at being competitive in, in 2022, they easily match or even exceed the Rangers if you take those pieces that they didn't really need. The Rangers didn't need DeGrom in the end. Uh, you know, it, Scherzer is, a, is, is like, like, I don't know, the cherry on top, right? The experience, he pitched Game 7. I still think they win Game 7 without him, though. Look at the outpouring of runs that they put on the Astros. And just, I was to say, <laughs> their, their lineup right. wins that game. Right. Okay, so, so here's the thing. I think that it's very easy for the White Sox, especially with the payroll flexibility, to follow the Rangers' path here. Because not only did I just point out that all these pitchers are recent acquisitions that you were able to get mainly through free agency and some via trade, and you were able to do a lot of it just this past offseason when they said we're going to increase payroll, which mirrors the White Sox having all that payroll flexibility they're going to have heading into 2025. But if you look at their starting lineup here, their main lineup in the postseason, and the guys that are on the postseason roster, this is not a team filled with guys that were on the team for a long time that you had to bring along. This is a team filled with free agent acquisitions, a couple of minor leaguers that I think mirror Colson Montgomery and, and some of the other guys that are going to be floating up from the system in the next couple of years being ready by 2025 and some really smart pro scouting. And we're getting into that next. Rich Zemar sitting down here. He's on the broadcast basement on demand radio network. What's up, buddy? How's it going? Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, uh, you, you're a busy guy right now. You got a lot going on. It's you, super busy. You're in your busy season, and, and you know it, it's off season for the White Sox, and it's uh, it's on season for Butch. And uh, the main thing you do is help 
businesses, small and big, with their health insurance, right? For sure. And the fourth quarter is usually when the renewals are coming in. They're trying to plan for the new year. And a lot of businesses feel stuck, right? Uh, just stuck with the renewal. They kind of blindly get spreadsheets, uh, comparisons, and they feel like they don't know where to go. And it's the, usually the top three uh, expenses on a expense sheet for a business. How does somebody get your help? 708-535-3006. And then we go through uh, an evaluation we call the Elite Benefits Playbook. All right. And it can get started like... Like right now, is right that now like something is they perfect, can do? ideal. The, the employees are still going to have health insurance, like when this is all said and done. Absolutely. All right, Butch is my guy. If, if you're either the owner or you're somebody that makes those financial decisions, it's a big cost for anybody that's trying to get it for employees, and yeah, you don't want to ignore that, right? Hundred uh, percent. All right, so let me run this down real quick, just looking off of fan graphs and how they acquired the bulk of their their lineup that's out there right now. Uh, Marcus Semi and Corey Seager both acquired in free agency uh, in 2021. They spent money. The Adolis Garcia, I love this. Did you did you read about this? I had to go back and and confirm some of the stuff I saw on Twitter when he was out there winning the MVP of the ALCS. Here's a guy that they purchased from St. Louis for cash in 2019. That's a pro Bought scouting him right for there for cash. And then they actually DFA'd him at one point, right? Because they needed to make room on their staff for pitching. And then nobody wanted him, and he stays within the Rangers. And now at 30 years old, the guy's an absolute star. He's a stud. In fact, I was comparing him last night on on my couch to Bryce Harper in the way that he's got fire. He is willing his team to get up off the bench and be active and, and ready to fight in this entire postseason, and he's backing it up with big, giant home runs and plays the outfield. You know, and to be honest with you, he's more valuable in terms of the amount of games that he generally plays in a a 162 game schedule than what Harper was this year. I mean, I I could just look at my fantasy baseball league and see the numbers he put up and how available he was compared to Harper. I mean, that's that's a baller right there. But that's a guy who they had to identify with their pro scouting. And then when you look at the rest of this team, there are some there are some guys that came up through their system. Josh Jung. Yep. Yeah, that was a high draft pick for them. Evan Carter. But we have guys like that that are arriving here very soon, don't we? We have Colson Montgomery, who a lot of people think is going to be one hell of a ball player that's going to be getting here. Brian Ramos might actually be a guy that you're going to see every day out there playing for the Chicago White Sox. They they have that kind of talent already within the organization that's young that's joining this team. Plus, don't forget, Luis Robert Jr. already sitting out there, who's going to be a part of this team. So you you have pieces already, but the free agency pieces, those are the things you got to go out and 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 add on to your team in the next couple of years. You see Nathaniel Lowe, who's their first baseman, acquired in a trade with the Rays after the shortened 2020 season. They went out and got Mitch Garver in a trade from Minnesota this past offseason. They went out and got Jonah Heim in a trade February of 21. These are guys who were acquired, brought in on deals. They scouted, they identified that they had a role to play on their team, and they brought them in within the last couple of years. And they are part of this team that's out there right now going to the World Series. My point is, the Rangers spent money but didn't overspend if you take out those two crazy pitching contracts of Scherzer and DeGrom that were unnecessary in my mind when you look at how this team performed otherwise this year and how how few games those two guys actually contributed to the Rangers' 162 and their postseason unnecessary money. Take that out. The White Sox have the means 
to go out and spend the money in free agency to build a team just like this. They have a couple of guys in their system that would fill in in spots just like the Rangers had over the last couple of years. And, and they only need now competent front office leadership and good scouting, especially pro scouting, to identify players they're going to sign in for agency or acquire via trade. It's right there for you. It's just how competent is the front office? Well, and and you know, to your point about some of this stuff too, right? Nate Lowe is is brought in, and it's not like the Rangers didn't have other first basemen in his way, right? But he's brought in as a guy that the the Rays had given up on a little bit. Uh, his knock was he didn't maximizes power enough and he struck out too much right and he's become a very serviceable player for the rangers if not one of their better hitters adolis garcia again you know identifying a guy that has something that other teams aren't seeing dane dunning let's let's talk about the fact that dane dunning is traded from the white Sox, where he's he's not immediately anointed as a long-term starter. They've used him in the bullpen. They've used him to start. They've used him however they saw fit, but they didn't just sit there and say, ah, this was our big trade. This is our big Lance Lynn trade. We've got it. This guy is, this guy's the next big thing. They just thought he was going to be a useful guy. And when it comes to the catchers, Jonah Heim, Mitch Garver, then they had Sam Huff, who is, is still on their roster, but was one of their high draft picks and a guy that they had high expectations for behind the plate. So what you have is you have two starting catchers and they, they don't care about that because they're creating some redundancy where Mitch Garver's bat can be in the lineup in other ways. And, and all of that with mixing in some draft choices, mixing in some young guys that come from their system, and it, it's how you build a baseball team, right? That's simply put, this is how you build a team. You build it by sitting there saying, we have more starters than we need to have. We have talent on top of talent, because we know we're going to see who works out in the end. I guarantee you they don't go for Mitch Garver if they think Jonah Heim is really, really what Jonah Heim is, which is one of the best offensive catchers in the league right now. Yeah, but they hedge their bet, and that's what you need to do. And that's yeah, what you that's, need to do. That's the problem with the White Sox, isn't it? It's like, oh, we've got a guy we think is going to be a good right fielder this year. Oh, do you want to sign any other right fielders? Well, maybe a couple to minor league contracts, but nobody that we actually think is going to be talented. That's the problem. It's Oscar Colas. We've got this guy. We don't need to worry about that that position. There is this perception, this this wrongful perception that some teams like the White Sox and some fans have, which is, well, I mean, you've already got that position filled. We can't be blocking anybody. No, you want competition on your team. You want guys on your bench who are angry they're not on the starting roster. You want guys in AAA fighting to get up there, who are ticked off that they're not playing. You want motivation. You don't want somebody sitting there saying, well, they've already kind of penciled me in there. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to do well, but I feel real confident about it. And when it doesn't work out, there's no other option. You don't want that. That's not how teams win. That's the White Sox way. The White Sox way is everybody stay healthy and have a career year. And we don't have any backup plan if somebody gets hurt or somebody doesn't perform the way that we projected them. And when they project players, at least over the last decade or so, they write down their projection. They go, well, high end, we think he's this. Low end, he's this. This is the middle. But they don't actually tell you it's the middle. They depend on the high end. Oh, absolutely. They don't even accept the fact that the guy could be the low end of their projection. They just look at that high end number and they're all in on it, right? They're like me when I'm going out and betting online. 
right? And don't forget the, the Sacks in the Basement Sportsbook. Uh, go check it out. Uh, there's all the best offers around there for wherever you are living in this country. It'll read where you're at and it'll put it up there. But they're like me when I sit there and I go, oh, look at that. Well, this team's down by a couple of runs. Like I actually bet on the Astros in game seven to come back because of the amount of money I would have won on a $5 bet. I'm like, I'm putting well, five they, down. Yeah. I'm putting five down here in the fifth inning because if they come back, I'm winning 100. But the, the White Sox look at those odds and go, well, there is the possibility I could win the 100, and they put everything in on it, right? And then, and then it doesn't work out for them. And that's what, that's what Chris Getz has to be different at doing, and that's what this front office has to be different at moving forward. Well, and signing Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, knowing you have – Ezekiel Duran, who could be a starter on a lot of teams. Yes, yes. Josh H. Smith, who actually could be a starter on a lot of teams. Knowing that Josh Young is coming up. Knowing that Justin Foscue, their top prospect, is still stuck. He's blocked, right? Yes. But you're going to win a World Series, so do you care that Justin Foscue is blocked? Who cares? What did they have? What did the White Sox have going on in, in 2005? Do we have guys that were blocked? Of course we did. Yes. Brandon, Brandon McCarthy. Oh, we got to get this guy up here. Brian Anderson, he's going to be a star. Turns out, not so much for either one yeah, of them. Yeah, that didn't really work out right? for either one of but, them, did But it? the thing was, what if we were relying on those guys in 05? You think that you're hoisting the trophy? No, you're not. Oh, yeah. You're hoisting the trophy with Brian Anderson over Aaron Rowland? <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. Brandon McCarthy comes in and, and does that ridiculous escape act against the Red Sox instead of El Duque? No, and none of that happens. And that's the thing. That's why you need to have competition. That's why you bring in veterans in the middle of the year, like you go out and you make a couple of deadline deals. That's why you're aggressive. You have money to spend. And that's why you have to have a deep enough farm system. You know, one of the things that the Rangers have is a philosophy when it comes to their farm system, which is different from how the White Sox have done things. We've had the guys on from Future Sox to talk about it before. And the idea of going out and drafting, a lot of times they'll go out and draft guys that are high school players that they're, that have high ceilings. And the Rangers over the last couple of years, when they said they wanted to turn around, all they did was draft college kids. They just went and drafted college kids and they drafted college kids that they thought were polished enough they could get to the major leagues quickly. And that's what they've done. They've gone out and they've done that, and that's another reason why they've been able to make the turnaround so quickly. But also not with the expectation that just because they were a high draft pick that they were going to be a star. Right, because that's the other thing. It doesn't matter if he's a college kid if he doesn't translate. You still have to scout and find the right college kid. And, and, and he might be a starter in college, and he might be a starter in the minor league system, but we're going to use him in the bullpen because that's where we need him, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's what you have to go and do. Uh, Hailstorm Brewing Company, a place that you and I need to visit. I, I haven't been there. Yes, with you. we do. No, I mean, seriously, we, we it's been a while. I'm looking at the beer menu. I was just there like two weeks ago to record something for Southside Pod, which is up online. There's a video of it on the, on the Southside Pod YouTube. And then it's also there's an audio on the Southside Pod, one of the regular podcast episodes. And they lined up like seven beers for me. And some of them are not even on tap yet. Like they have a, a new Belgium ale that, that, that they're going to be bringing out. And it's like one of their original six that they had way back when they started the brewery. And it's spectacular, really high ABV. But I mean, it really just it's just such a good beer. And I want to get out there and bring you out there to kind of try some of them and just have a just have a beer day. You know, I haven't had a beer day in a while. Not to, not since my whole world here fell apart. Have I had a beer day because I've been too busy raising three kids on my own. So I would like to have a beer day with you. We'll go to Hailstorm Brewing. We'll get some food there. The kitchen's open at 11 a.m. and goes all day long. Go over there for lunch if you want to. But I will recommend the last time I was there with my 15-year-old to go film that thing for Southside Pod. We got the spicy jerk flatbread. It is spectacular. That sounds like, good. It's, I mean, oh, it's really 
really good. But they have they have a ton of different things that are available there. They have shareables and they have meals. So check it out. And then, of course, when you get out there, uh, try the wide array of beers. They have something for everybody. The German alt beer that's there is not a high ABV. It's a low ABV. It's a great tasting beer. It's a seasonal. But from what I understand, still on tap. Check it all out at hailstormbrewing.com. Now, I will compare and contrast the Rangers to the Phillies because I feel like the Phillies just tried to buy their way into relevance. Yeah, but I'm fine with that. I wish my I wish my owner would buy his way into relevance. I know that would be lovely, too. But I mean, Harper, Turner, Real Muto, Wheeler, Castellano, Schwarber, all over 20 million base salary. Right. That, that's that's a lot of money for for a handful of guys on your team. That's a lot of money. That's not even including Taiwan Walker, who's not exactly the most useful guy at 18 mil, or Scott Kingery, who's completely worthless at 13 mil. They that spent was- a lot of money, but they, you know what? It, 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 they, they went about it a different way. Like, here's the thing. I look at the Rangers, and that's why I brought them up at the beginning of the show, because I feel like even though there's a bunch of guys on the Phillies that I would love to have seen on the White Sox over the last couple of years, the past is the past, and that's over. And even though we have brought over a guy from the Diamondbacks organization, and they are really good with depth. They're doing everything I want with competition. Just look at their outfield, their young outfield, and how many guys were all rated high prospects, and some of which aren't even on the team right now. And 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 you know Zach Thomas comes up with that big home run late in one of these games in the series in the NLCS. He didn't even start that game because they're using their guys in roles that make the most amount of sense to go out and win instead of just forcing them in there and saying, "Well, that's our guy. Let's see if he does well. He's projected real high." But I think the Rangers, to me, makes the most amount of sense just because you see what they did in the last two years, right? I mean, the Phillies the Phillies went about the idea of get the checkbook out and start purchasing your team. And I don't know if we'll ever get that with Jerry Reinsdorf, you know? I, if we had somebody coming in from the Phillies organization instead of coming in from the Diamondbacks organization, I'd be nervous because I know that that doesn't match up with Jerry. Right, and that's and that's part of it too. Is is that you know we can sit here and say Bryce Harper would have made a huge difference for the White Sox, but that's the only that's the only big money guy. I mean Trey Turner would have been nice too. Oh, um, I want did, I wanted Trey Turner so badly. Right, I remember that how much I wanted Trey Turner, and everybody's like, "What do you need Trey Turner for? You got Tim Anderson." I'm like, Trey Turner is a superstar, terrific second baseman so, for the Dodgers when he was there too. So much better than Tim Anderson. Okay, I know you love Tim Anderson, but just an absolute superstar because of the defense and the way the way he does everything. Even that beautiful slide when he comes into any base, yes, the the gift that to end all sliding gifts. Right. I mean, like that's that's the guy right there. You could, you know, and, and that's what's funny. I think I my big prediction for T.A. is that when he leaves this team, which which I think could be as he as early as in the next couple of weeks. Okay. I don't know what they're doing here, but it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to to use that money when it when you don't know what he's going to do this year and you can just use it to acquire pieces that you want right now and start building like the Rangers did. But when he leaves, I think there's a great possibility wherever he goes, he's a second baseman. He's more valuable as a second baseman. Everybody really watched him in the World Baseball Classic do it. He seemed to be willing to do it for any team except for his team that he was drafted by. Like, I, I guarantee he goes to another team. He's not going to complain about it one bit moving to second base. Well, Marcus Simeon didn't. When, when Simeon went from the A's over to the Blue Jays and really, you know, his career started to blossom, um, he went to play second base. Yeah. He was blocked there by, by Bichette. So, you know, Trey Turner was the same way. He got traded away from the Nationals. He wouldn't played second base. He would have played second base for, for the Phillies if, if that's what they needed him to do. 
I do wonder if if Rick Hahn, you know, retconning everything, if Hahn had gone in the offseason and said, look, we got a chance to sign Trey Turner, we got a chance to sign Dansby Swanson, Tim, will you move to second base? Well, maybe we'll sort this out in, you know, in, in spring training, see who's more comfortable over there, give you guys both a shot. I, I'd like to think that TA would actually do it. See, I don't think so. And I have no basis on it except for the fact that I just I just I don't know. He's always given off the vibe that that's his that's his place where he plays. Like he plays short. That's what he does. Right? Like I right. I, I mean, it always seemed like there was a block there. Because think of all the middle infielders that have been available in free agency over the last three years. We just talked about it. You had Simeon, you got Seeger, you got Turner. There, there were more. I, you Dansby Swanson. There were so many of them over the last couple of years. Now it's all dried up. There's not there's not really a lot available this offseason. But the last couple of years, it was there. And this team had such a glaring need at second base. And like some of these guys that they could have gone out and signed were better defensive shortstops than Tim Anderson by far. So you're telling me that they never even considered the idea because I would think that the reason they didn't go sign any of these guys and they wasted a ton of money on relief pitching and things that didn't make any sense to put all that money down on was because they couldn't convince their star that they had built all of their stuff around. I mean, all their marketing, everything they were doing, their charity work, everything was built around their shortstop, their star, their homegrown star. I don't think they felt they could move their star to second base. And I can't imagine that there was a conversation where he they sat there and they talked to him and he's like, oh, yeah, of course, I'll move over. Because then I think you would have had one of those guys. It would have made the most amount of sense to bring in a better defensive shortstop with that crop that was out there. And knowing that Tim Anderson's contract was just going to be up in a couple of years. If you're really going for the sustained success you were talking about. Uh, but that's where Colson Montgomery comes into play. And, and he is going to be everything that those guys were and more. And because the, he only has the highest end of his possible ceiling, he doesn't have a floor. There's no, he's all ceiling. He is a web slinger. He is spider pig. He is just stuck to the ceiling. Right. But if they were thinking that way, that's so flawed, right? Because Colson Montgomery isn't going to get here until the end of uh, 24 and, and hopefully to start 25 for this team, realistically. And he could easily have become the replacement for Yoan Mankata when his option comes up at the end of 24. He could have easily moved over to second base. Tim could have moved over then if he wanted. Even if you would have gone out and gotten somebody like a Seeger or a Swanson or something like that, there would have been no logjam whatsoever to bring in Colson Montgomery because TA's contract is running out, right? You have all these. You see, that's the thing. Like, I can sit there with my computer, with my laptop, with my tablet, with my phone, and I can sit there and I can look up the length of these contracts and when they all run out. And I can see that if you went out and you signed one of those guys that – when Montgomery gets here as a rookie who hasn't proved anything yet, there's a likely spot to put him. And if there isn't, who cares? Because you want depth. I can see that there wasn't going to be a log jam there. If you went out and signed one of those guys, Han and Williams couldn't, they couldn't get over it. And again, I don't know, but I always have just gotten the feeling that based upon the way that they were only looking at second baseman, and not at middle infielders that were talented that could play both positions is because their shortstop wasn't going to move. And that's the only, that's just me looking at something from the outside in and saying to myself, why wouldn't you consider all these players? There has to be a reason for it. And it has to be in my mind, because he was always going to be the shortstop, whether he expressed that to them or they felt that that was where he was supposed to be because they just, they believed in him so much. Even if the metric said that he wasn't the best guy to be there, if you would have been able to go out and pick up one of these guys, that's how I've always kind of viewed it when I've looked at it. I don't know. 
I don't know, maybe I'm just a crazy person with a tinfoil hat, but it just seems like every time we have a tinfoil hat theory, uh, two years later, it's proven. That's the beauty of podcast, Dad. Yes. You can just go back and listen to all of our tinfoil. I, I was about to say, right? listen, listen to the foil. Yeah, Trust li- the foil, you know, people. You go know, listen Trust to the, the things foil. like what I was saying, what I thought was going on behind the scenes inside of that place. And then it turns out it was all real. <laughs> Trust our foil. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.